Good morning. So good to see you this morning. Welcome to all of you, and especially those that are visiting with us today. And uh, let me just say that you are in for a treat today. We have uh, some friends here from Iowa, from Faith Baptist uh, Bible College, that will be uh, singing for us this morning and, and leading and guiding and directing in our service and bringing us the word this morning, too. So uh, we are so happy to have you guys with us this morning. And uh, also want to remind you of a couple of other announcements. Uh, today is the third Sunday of the month, so we have an evening service. And uh, you won't want to miss uh, the exposition on the Gospels. It's uh, been a great study so far. I've learned a lot. Even with all this gray hair, I'm still learning things. So come back tonight uh, for the evening service at 6 o'clock. Uh, Tuesday, there are some activities. Uh, reminder to get out and vote. Uh, there is a primary election. And uh, so please uh, make yourself uh, available for that. Uh, at 8.30, there's the men's fellowship breakfast at the family restaurant in Sheboygan. And 6 o'clock, the men's Bible study uh, here at church. So a um, couple more announcements. Uh, if you would like to serve Emmanuel Bible Church, we could certainly use some help in uh, cleaning. And uh, we had a couple of cleaners that uh, had to get off the list for a while. So if you have some time... Um, We'll uh, tell you what needs to be done and, and uh, team you up with other people. It's not much of a burden at all. A couple, uh, hour and a half, and, and you're all set, and you're on the schedule maybe like every other month. So if you would like to serve in that capacity, see myself or Karen, and uh, we'll get you signed up on the list. There is a table downstairs with some items we cleaned off from uh, the kitchen uh, that we haven't used for quite a long time. If you see something there that you might like, take it along. We're uh, going to get rid of it one way or another, and uh, so what's ever left here in the next couple of weeks will probably be donating. And uh, lastly, uh, adults, just to remember, uh, March 24th, we have an activity. We're going to go out to eat um, at a Mexican restaurant in Sheboygan Falls, and it'll be a great time of food, fun, and fellowship, and uh, you won't want to miss it. So uh, March 24th, put that on your calendars, and... Uh, Pastor, come tell us what else is going on with the body today. All right. So I am uh, not normally doing announcements, but I need to make a few more. First of all, uh, Dennis Schillig has completely lost his voice. He's actually still sick. So um, not only is our ABF main teacher sick, Matthew's out of town. Uh, so for the adults here who are normally a part of ABF, we're going to be watching uh, one of the videos series that, oh, remind me, Earl, what is it called? Drive-Through History? Drive-Through History. It's on the, the Holy Land and so forth. Um, then also, another one of our uh, families is sick. Uh, so uh, uh, Daniel Schilling and his family aren't here. Those parents with children in that class your children are going to be bumped up to uh, Brad's class? To Brad's class. All right. Um, with those announcements done, I just am so excited, seriously, to have with us the Faith Baptist Bible College Uplift Team. So let me tell you a little bit about them. Um, they, uh, we have been trying to get this group here for four years. 
<laughs> and of course, the one week that it got scheduled was the week where a lot of our teens are down at the, the retreat. But you know what? Um, we are, we're grateful they're here. Even though a lot of our teens are gone, we still have parents of teens who are here. And I told the, the crew that influencing the parents' thinking is probably even more important than influencing the teenagers' thinking. So I hope that uh, you as parents and the few teens who are here will talk with them, get to know them, and seriously consider Faith Baptist Bible College as a school for your young person. Um, there are so many people who I know personally whose children went to University of Iowa or the University of South Carolina or the University of Wisconsin, one of the branches, and sat in in the introductory courses where they teach you all kinds of things designed purposely to destroy the faith of any person who is, you know, considers himself or herself Christian. I'm not, I'm not saying don't send a child to a school like that. I'm just saying beware of what you receive there. Uh, a lot about choosing a college is who is the leadership? Who, what, what, what's going on at the school? How well is it run? How conservative is it when it comes to their approach to the Bible? And do they have the true gospel? So I thought before I actually uh, introduced the team directly that I would talk a little bit about their leadership at Faith Baptist Bible College. The reason that I can wholeheartedly endorse the school is because of that leadership. So Jim Tillotson, some of you know him maybe, maybe probably not actually, um, I, my wife does, but uh, Jim Tillotson was a pastor, church planter, up in Canada for more than 15 years. He graduated from Northland Baptist Bible College. That's the school where I was a professor for 17 years. He was already gone before I got there, but he went up uh, to Edmonton, Canada. Now, Canada, <clears throat> if a church has 50 people in it, it is a large church. Jim Tillotson is an evangelist, if he's anything, and God used him and the others uh, at their church to, to save lost souls. At the time when, when Pastor Jim left, there were 500 people in that church. I taught a block class at their little Foundations Bible College up there. Um, I don't even know what year it was, a long time ago. And got to know Jim and the, their team there very well. What you know, you go to churches and, and they're all a blessing. This church was an, an amazing place. So the Lord used uh, a number of connections between faith uh, and other, some other folks I know to find Jim Tillotson. They offered him the job to be president at faith. And uh, a number of years ago, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago, uh, he transitioned from there. Faith Baptist Bible College had a maybe about 200 students. It's never been a large school. It's not intended to be. But they had about 200 students then. I think they're much, you know, quite like 50% larger. Um, uh, he is just a wonderful guy, extremely good with people, and uh, a loving man with a heart for the Lord. 
So um, Marty Heron, uh, another friend of mine, um, I know, I've known Marty from Northland because Marty Heron was the camp director at Northland Camp for something like 15 years and then he went to Guam and I've been out there uh, with them a number of times uh, teaching in their schools and, and preaching there too. Love Marty. And so Marty uh, Heron is the executive vice president at Faith, another wonderful man, know a number of undergrad and seminary faculty. I just, if you have a teenager and you're thinking about where they should go to school, and if you are a teenager and you're considering where, my, or maybe even in, you know 20 years old and you're thinking, should I go to college? Please talk to one of these um, uh, representatives from the school. This is the Uplift team and ask them about their school. They're going to be in the youth group today uh, sharing their testimonies. They'll, they'll promote faith a little bit here too, maybe a lot, hopefully, um, uh, when they sing. And um, we're going to have um, Seth Elliott uh, speak for us today. He's the leader of this team. And so he'll be preaching for us. I'm really eager to have them. So there's only one thing about Faith Baptist Bible College that's bad. And it's really not good. Okay, so I'm just going to, I have to be honest. They're located in Iowa State University territory, and I'm an Iowa Hawkeye. So I grew up in Iowa, so I root for the Hawkeyes. They root for, like, Iowa State <laughs> Cyclones. So that's, that's the one major drawback uh, by, you know, about that school. Other than that, everything else is great. So again, please meet and talk with these young people. Uh, they'll be, they have a package of songs for us. And again, Seth will be preaching, and I'm really uh, eager to hear him. I asked if he was related to Jim Elliott. I was reading about, you know me, in biographies. You know, so I started one about 9 o'clock last night, and it kept me up till almost midnight uh, reading it. One of the chapters was on Jim Elliott. So anyway, he's not related. I tried. Oh, well. So our person of the week this week for prayer is Jason, and, or our family of the week is Jason and Kristen Daney. They're not here. Uh, they're actually up north today, I think, doing some ice fishing. But uh, uh, here are the requests that they shared. First, uh, that we pray that by grace they will um, be applying what they are learning in church. They're not that old in the Lord. I think, what was it, about five years ago, they were both baptized. And so they are, they are growing. Jason is just growing like a weed. I can say this because he's not here. Uh, I love this brother. And uh, he's just soaking everything up. So pray for him, for them, uh, to put what they're learning to good use. Uh, second, pray that the seeds of the gospel that they have planted in their unsaved uh, loved ones' uh, hearts and that they are continuing to water will be harvested. They have a, a, basically both of their families extended uh, are unbelievers, so pray uh, for their salvation. And then third, their son Hunter. Not certain if he's a believer. Okay, he there, there's a he, anyway. Without going into detail, I don't know if he is saved or not, uh, but pray that he will either be saved or find his security in Christ. Our overseas servants of the week are Eric and Galena. Since we're live streaming, I won't mention their last names. Um, you can see them up here. 
Uh, but Eric and Galena are in Russia. They work in kind of like the coal mining area. There's a school uh, that's in that, and they used to be in a, in a different country. They moved back to their home country of, of Russia. And let me share a little bit uh, about uh, what's going on with them currently. First, Eric is praising the Lord that he still has the opportunity to teach expository preaching classes in Armenia. Um, he also praises the Lord that the churches that he's traveling to speak in are hungry for God's word. In Russia right now, there is a deep hunger for God. I mean, when, you're, when your kid is off on the front lines, uh, you know, your 18-year-old your is, is away and fighting, it tends to stir one up, uh, their hearts up toward the Lord. And so uh, they are, they're experiencing, um, maybe you could even call it revival, uh, in churches all across the country. Uh, and then he's also praising the Lord that three Armenian pastors were able to attend their annual pastors' conference in Samara. Also, prayer requests. Pray for uh, the future classes that Eric is scheduled to teach. He's a pastor in their church there, but his primary role is, is education. And so he'll be going all the way out to Siberia, to Irkutsk, uh, to teach a class soon, and then also to Belgorod. Uh, so pray for that, his classes. Secondly, um, for a friend of his who is now a new missionary in Armenia. I'm only going to give you his initials. They are HB, but pray for HB and uh, his family who have just recently moved to Armenia. And then uh, as they're um, just getting started in the work there. And then finally pray for uh, Eric's physical health. If you remember, he had hepatitis and uh, he's better, but there's still some lingering side effects from that. And then finally, our persecuted saints of the week this week uh, are uh, members of a church in Sierra Leone, Africa. So allow me to read this for us. In January, local officials in a village in Sierra Leone, that's in West Africa above the armpit. Okay, so if you know where the armpit is, that's just a little bit above it. Uh, the officials in the village notified the pastor of a 400-member congregation that they needed to vacate their building immediately. The worship center had stood for more than 15 years on land legally purchased, but it's in a Muslim-majority region. Five years ago, Muslims who were unhappy that a large Christian church stood in their community filed a legal case against the church. Church members were never allowed to respond to the court case and were upset when they received the notice. Many of the church members wanted to stand on the church ground and defend it. Fortunately, the church leaders realized that the police intended to enforce the order so church members could do nothing but watch as government workers came and destroyed their building. And this was just last month, one month ago, on January 15th. So let's, each week we pray for a persecuted saint. Uh, we usually don't pray for a whole church, but let's pray for this entire church, Sierra Leone, West Africa. Um, pray that the church body will be encouraged in Christ. This would be very discouraging 
uh, to, to live in a Muslim-dominated region and then have your building torn down. It would feel like all your freedoms are just evaporating. So pray for them to be encouraged and then to find a way to worship together, um, whether it be, you know, I don't know, outdo- outdoors probably is where they're going to have to do it. And then who knows what will happen in terms of persecution. So let's pray. Our Father, it's good to live in America, to be free, to have the luxuries that uh, this incredible country provides. And yet, when we think of our brothers and sisters in Christ, pastor friends, their families, uh, in, in places in the world where people as a whole in the nation are hostile toward Christianity, it, it helps to rejigger our thinking. Lord, we are so comfortable and we begin to wonder, what is it really like for others in other places? Today we've heard a little bit about how hard it is for the members of this church in Sierra Leone. Wake us up to prayer, Lord. Help us to understand the importance of lifting each other up and others outside of our our own church up in prayer. Uh, We know that prayer is effective. It's powerful. And we pray for the uh, pastors in this church, for uh, all the members of the congregation, for each family, for each father, mother, that uh, they will sense uh, your strength, the, um, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit right now, as they uh, have, I believe, probably already gathered somewhere in, a, in an attempt to worship. Uh, we pray that uh, they would be safe as they go home. Uh, we pray not just for their safety, but uh, we pray that you'll allow them to find a place where the whole church can gather again uh, to worship together and to hear preaching. Lord, if it be in homes, it'll be a, a very different kind of ministry. So we pray, if that's your will, that, that, that you'll guide them that way, but more, more specifically, that you allow them to find a place where they can all gather. We then uh, want to pray for Eric and Galena. We are so grateful that uh, Eric is feeling better, but we know that he still has some lingering health issues, so we pray for him there. Uh, We also ask for HB as he goes into Armenia and is uh, working with church planting and I think also some education uh, that you will help him to get the lay of the land, help him to meet national leaders and to get to know them well. Uh, We also pray for the church that uh, you're using him to start that you'll bring uh, a whole uh, harvest of souls into that ministry in your good timing. Then we pray for Eric as he is scheduled to teach soon in Irkutsk and Belgorod, that you will uh, allow him to get there, uh, be very effective with the men. I know Irkutsk is uh, one of the new seminary extensions from uh, Novosibirsk Theological Seminary. So, Father, um, may the men who, this is maybe their second or third class, who come might they be excited to get more and more teaching uh, from the extension faculty from Novgorod. 
and then, uh, or from Novosibirsk. And then uh, we pray for Jason and Kristen that you will help them to apply what they're learning uh, here at, at our church and outside of the church to ministry. We think, too, of the gospel that they have planted and are watering in many souls that they know that there will be a harvest. In fact, we pray that it would be soon. And then for their son, Hunter, uh, we don't know where he is spiritually, so we pray that if he is not yet a believer, that he will be, and that if he is a believer, that you'll confirm his faith. Thank you for uh, the faith group. May you use them and uh, their singing and testimonies, the uh, discussion they have about the college, and then the preaching to encourage our hearts and Father, would you send some young people from our church to that school, be it your plan. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Come on up.
We're glad to be with you this morning. Um, Thank you, Pastor Kurt, for the introduction. We are the Uplift team from Faith Baptist Bible College, and we're really glad to get to go around to churches like yours and to minister with you and to serve the Lord and to worship with you. Uh, It is really unique to see the love that different churches have for each other and how it is ultimately rooted in Christ's love for us. And it, and it flows out, and you see it in the people. And so we're, we're excited to have seen that already in the interactions that we've had with uh, some of the people in the church here and are looking forward to more of that uh, in the next couple hours to come. I want to talk about faith uh, for a few minutes. And I want to start by saying that uh, by defining what a Bible college is, <clears throat> We are a little different than a public university, of course, uh, by nature of our being a faith institution, a faith-based institution. Um, As a Bible college, everyone who graduates from faith with a four-year undergraduate is essentially going to double major. So you will have the major that you are pursuing, whether it's uh, pastoral studies or music major or um, organizational leadership. And then you're also going to double major in Bible. And that is because a lot of our curriculum is in the study of God's word in classes. We have classes like Acts and um, Romans, Matthew. We have systematic theology classes. We have introductory survey classes of the Old Testament and New Testament. So much of our classwork is even just digging into the Bible guided by experts in their fields. Um, and it is really, really a neat opportunity to be at Bible college and to sit under God's word that much. But we don't just at faith emphasize the word of God in class. It actually influences everything that we do as an institution. Um, that shows up in our dorm life. So in our dorms, we have the structure of RAs, resident advisors, the, the people who are in the dorm, uh, usually some people, um, five or six for guys and girls, who are there to be <clears throat> helps to students in their walks with God. Um, whether that's counseling, be, just being a friend and walking through life together, um, even helping with with simple, with practical things like I'm I'm struggling in school. Who do I look to to help? Your RAs will help you point will point you in the right direction. Um, and then we also have deepening group leaders who are, um, they are, they are involved in the lives of usually eight people in the dorm, and they are specifically focused on investing in those eight. And so they spend time praying together, they strive to open relationships up, to um, speak of, of the, re- the real struggles that we have as believers, as, as humans living in a fallen world. Excuse me. And these deepen group leaders are great connection points where they will point even the guys in their group in a, in a little more intimate setting, a little more one-on-one setting, um, point them to Christ and to how, how, do, how does the Bible speak to the issues of life. Um, and it's really a neat structure that we have. We also have an emphasis on the Word of God in in our music and in our sports. Um, Our basketball team just played in the conference championship, 
And I know that throughout their season, they do, they have these small groups of two or three guys that meet and pray together and read the word together and, and seek to disciple one another. And that's because we recognize that, ev- that everything we do is more than simply just playing basketball. It's more than just taking classes. We want to redeem the time, and we do that by seeing what God's word has to say to all that we do. And so even our music, hopefully our music is a testimony to we want to do excellent music for the glory of God, and we want to, we want to produce as clearly as possible music that he has designed to be beautiful and that communicates truth to you and to, and to our own hearts even as we sing it. And so that is one of the highlights of faith is, is discipleship, whether it's in, in the dorm, in classes, on our, our traveling ministry team, it's rooted in the word of God. And that is where we ultimately find our hope, in, in Christ as he's revealed in scripture. And so with faith as an institution, I am think, I'm grateful to say and excited to say that we have been growing as an institution. Um, this last fall, we saw the largest incoming class of new on-campus students in 15 years. That was really exciting for us to see. Um, and it also is unique because we are a really affordable school. Um, just 100% of students who are eligible fi- for financial aid and apply to get it will get it. You, you will get help. Um, and we have scholarships that you can apply for and different grants that you can get. It is really an affordable experience, and it's really a worthwhile experience. It may not be what God has for you to come to faith for a full four years. Um, and we have different options. We have a one-year Bible program, which is basically going to help you develop a biblical worldview. How do I go out into the world, out into, my, into the future that God has for me, and look and view it all through the lens of who has God created me to be? How does he want me to live? How should his word influence how I go out into the world? And so we have a one-year Bible program, a two-year Bible program, um, and then all, we have other four-year degree programs that are, that are seeking to develop that biblical worldview that ultimately is within the goal of what our school motto is to take the word to the world. And that should shape the way that we go out from the institution. So we have a, there's a lot more I could say about faith. I am really thankful that we are here. If you are interested in faith, if you are a high schooler uh, looking at college in the next few years, maybe you're planning on going to university like, we talk, like Pastor Kurt talked about. Consider faith. Consider doing a one-year Bible program and, and getting a solid biblical foundation that is going to uh, reiterate the truths that you're already learning every Sunday in church and, and seek to grow in that as you prepare for the future. If you are interested in looking into faith and getting more information, we do have these contact cards in the back. You can ask any of us about the school. We'd be happy to talk to you about it. Um, and in a little while, you'll also hear a faith testimony of just how uh, Caleb was, his path to getting to the school and how God has worked through the school in his life. Um, so the best thing you can do for more information is fill out one of these contact cards. And we'd love to talk to you more about faith 
and how God is working there, how God has used it in our lives, and how we hope that he can use it in yours too. We're excited to be here with you this morning. We're going to sing a couple more songs.
all of you for coming up. This, it's already such a blessing. Um, we're going to take an offering now, so uh, I'll lead us in prayer and the men will uh, come forward. Father, we are grateful that uh, we have instant camaraderie with believers from different churches, different states, even different countries. We see Christ in them and they us. We revel in the joy that we have when we get to know others better, meet them and relationships begun and then deepen. And we pray that uh, the uh, relationships that we have with these students and with faith uh, will increase and be blessed by you. Help our church to be a blessing to faith and especially to these six young people. And we pray that 
uh, they likewise will be used in word and song and testimony uh, to challenge our hearts. Thank you for them. And uh, we pray that as the offering is taken now, you will uh, use it to uh, further your cause of ministry here in Sheboygan. We pray in Christ's name. Today's scripture reading can be found in Psalms chapter 11. We will be reading the entire chapter. Please stand for the reading of God's word. In the Lord I take refuge. How can you say to my soul, flee like a bird to your mountain? For behold, the wicked bend the bow. They have fitted their arrow to the string to shoot in the dark, the upright in the heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes see. His eyelids test the children of man. The Lord tests his righteousness, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Let him rain coals on the wicked. Fire and sulfur, like a scorching wind, shall be the portion of their cup. 
For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds. The upright shall behold his face. Let's sing together. Rejoice in the Lord.
Good morning. My name is Caleb. I uh, am a junior at Faith. Sorry, hard to remember. Um, I, uh, when I was in high school, I wasn't sure whether I was going to go to college or not, but then my sister, she is a year or two older than me, but she, hard, bad that I can't remember that right, but um, she went to Faith. And uh, while she was at Faith, I noticed a big difference in her life. I was like, huh, must be something... I wonder what that is. Like, I didn't quite understand it. And so I was like, well, maybe it'd be a fun place to go. And I didn't really know what I was doing with my life at that point. Not that I do now, but I at least am trusting in God's faithfulness and his will. But uh, as I was getting to my junior and senior year of high school, I was thinking uh, God got a hold of my life and really want, and really put a burden on my heart for devoting my life to Christ. And I didn't really know how I wanted to live for him, but I was like, well, if I go to a Bible college, hopefully that'll help me figure it out. And so uh, my, after my senior year, I ended up going to, going to faith. Now, through high school, I had been uh, in church a lot, and so people were always telling me, oh, you should definitely be a pastor. You should be a pastor. You need to be a pastor. And I was hearing it all the time, and I was just kind of like, no, I don't, I don't want to be a pastor. I want to just kind of do something or other. <laughs> and I, didn't, I just was like pushing that away because of how much people were pushing me toward it. And when I came to faith, uh, I realized how wonderful like, the atmosphere there was because everybody was pointing me there to Christ. I remember my freshman year, uh, my RA, his name was Jeff. Um, he met with me every week and we did a Bible study through the book of Philippians and like it was just so fun we had a good time I learned a lot from Philippians just from that um, I've, had a, I've had a lot of good friends at faith and they would challenge me on uh, even in my daily walk with Christ and I realized that like the Bible is something so much more than facts that you learn it's about a way that you live and it's about the Savior who saved you to live and be righteous, and I didn't quite have comprehend that before I came to faith, but because of, like, the atmosphere of discipleship at faith, it really pushed me to grow in my walk with Christ, and it's really pushed me to grow, and I've made a lot of good friends there that have helped push me. Seth, uh, he's speaking after this. Um, he's been a great friend. He's been someone who, even just the other night, actually, I uh, was talking to him, and he was able to ask me good questions that were all pointing me to a biblical frame of thought and to pointing me to think like the way Christ would think. And I've had so many relationships like that at Faith. I met my fiance at Faith and uh, all these relationships that have been all pointing me toward Christ. And God's been working in my life. And <laughs> ironically, I want to be a pastor now. And uh, and that's, that's not like it's more spiritual to become a pastor or go into ministry. But God's just really worked on my life through the school and I'm very thankful for it and I've just been very blessed it's uh and really encouraging and I would like to continue serving the Lord wherever I can I think faith play, has played a big part in that so I would definitely push you to consider faith if you're if you're considering college at this point and even if not I, I just hope that you're encouraged today with the music that we have but thank you Stand with me and let's sing, O Great God. <clears throat>
to check how much time or what's our end time. Okay, sounds perfect. <laughs> We're really glad to be here with you this morning. Hopefully the music and the truths that are, that are I forgot to turn on the mic, that are, for, that are instilled in the songs, hopefully those are an encouragement to you and truths that you can anchor to throughout this week. And that even has to do a bit with <clears throat> the passage we're going to look at this morning. So as we begin this morning, I want to ask you a question. When was the last time that you considered the reality of what you have as a Christian? Does the fact that you are forgiven by Christ have any bearing on how you respond when your husband or your wife or your child or your parents sins against you? Does the truth that you have received the gift of eternal life in Jesus shape how you walk into each new day? Here's another question to ask. How would your responses to the situations, maybe even of suffering in your life, look different and more, help, more hopeful if you, were stand, if you were to ask how you're standing in Christ affects how you look at the problem? How, how does your standing in Christ apply to the situations that you are brought into daily? Your righteousness through Christ should lead you to hopeful living. And as we look at Romans 5, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 5 this morning, we see, that we see two present realities to recognize and two sources to rejoice in. Two present realities to recognize and two sources to rejoice in. The two realities to recognize for hopeful living are that you have present peace with God and that you have access into God's grace right now, today. And the two sources to rejoice in for hopeful living are the hope of the glory of God and the suffering that you are stewarded. Yes, through Christ, you can rejoice even in the future hope of God's glory and in your current suffering. And Paul is going to help us understand that through the truths that we're going to see in verses 1 through 5 of Romans 5. So let's read the passage, Romans 5, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Let's pray as we begin this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for commanding us, Lord, but even giving us the joy of meeting together this morning with brothers and sisters in Christ, with various churches represented, and Lord, ultimately... um, Lord, the representation that you are building your church. Father, thank you for that truth. Thank you that you called us here this morning. 
God, thank you for your word and the truths that we, that we find in it that, that shape the way we live and the way that we look at all of the circumstances of our lives. And I pray that as, you, as we look at your word this morning, you would help us to understand how our justification, our, our having been declared righteous by God, should affect the way that we go into this very day and into this week. God, help us, um, Lord, humble us, and help us to trust you and to rejoice. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> In Romans 5, verses 1 through 5, we're going to see, first we're going to look at the two present realities to recognize. And the first reality to recognize is that you have present peace with God. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've by faith trusted in the fully sufficient sacrifice of Christ on the cross to pay for your sins, you have peace with God today. And what does it mean, what does it mean to have peace with God? Well, why do we need peace with God in the first place? We need peace with God because we are sinners. We are under judgment in our sin, and we're bound for hell in our sins. That is the, the plight of every human being, um, born in from, from the result of Adam's original sin, and even by merit of our own sin. We bring nothing but our sin before God, and we stand before him rightly, rightly judged as guilty. So we, we have a need for peace with God, and why would that be? Well, one, because Jesus has come and has offered salvation 2,000 years ago. He came to this earth and offered the deliverance, even as we just sang about, come to me and I will give you rest. Jesus has come and offered salvation, and he did not come in judgment, in condemnation at that time, but he is coming again. He's promised this, and scripture testifies to it that Christ is coming again, and he will come as, as judge. And so in the present, right now, he calls us to repent and to trust in him as Savior. <clears throat> so if we need peace with God, and this peace is the result of being justified, was it, what does it mean to be justified by faith, as we see in verse 1? That this whole argument is being built off of since we have been justified by faith. What does it mean to be justified by faith? Being justified by faith means that you have been legally declared by God to be righteous, that you are no longer guilty. Now the question is, but if you and I are sinners, as scripture testifies and makes very plain, and even our own consciences testify against us, that we are sinners, how can God rightly say that you are righteous, that when he looks at you, he sees righteousness and not condemnation? We know that that is through the atonement of Christ. Flip back to Romans 3, verse 21. <clears throat> We're going to see kind of a summary of the atonement of Christ and our justification in these verses. Romans 3, 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and are justified by his grace as a gift, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, 
whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he has passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. If you flip over to the next chapter, chapter 4, verses 23 through 25, um, we won't read that, but you'll see that Abraham acts by faith on the promises of God, and his faith is counted to him as righteousness. And so what Paul is going to say in, verse, in chapter 5, is, and even in the end of chapter 4, is it's no different for us, for, the, for believers. We are covered in Christ's righteousness by faith, when we believe in his atonement, his propitiation, which means the full payment for sin, that it's completely sufficient, that God no longer says you are condemned, but you, that there is no condemnation in Christ. That when, Christ, when God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ that you've been covered in. And Romans 4.25 says that he, Jesus, was delivered up for our transgressions and raised for our justification. When we believe in Jesus for salvation, we are covered by his righteousness. Our guilt has been paid fully. And as the song, And Can It Be That We Sang a Little Bit Ago, proclaims, No condemnation now I dread. Jesus and all in him is mine. And that is our hope because of Jesus' fully sufficient payment for our sins in his death on the cross. We are declared righteous by God. And this is all of grace. We do not deserve this gift of salvation and we did nothing to earn it. It is a free gift to be received by faith. God, I trust what you've said. I trust that Jesus' payment on the cross in real space and time was sufficient to pay for my real sin debt. And I believe by faith that he has paid for all my sins. Forgive me, Lord. And we trust the Lord for salvation. And this is, so this is how a perfect, holy God can declare sinners to be righteous, by the imputed blood of Christ. We are covered in his righteousness. So then, as we look at verse 1, what does it mean to have peace with God? Well, it means that we've been reconciled to God. We, we're, we've been brought back into right relationship with him when we were formerly estranged because of our sin. Sin separates us from God. It's completely contrary to his nature. It's rebellion against him, and it has separated us from him. But through Christ, who was our reconciler, we have been brought into peace with God. And so you, believer, have peace with Jesus Christ, with God, through Jesus today. Cling to that hope. Not only do you have peace with God, but you also have, in verse 2, present access to God's grace. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. This access into the grace in which we stand is through Jesus by faith. And it's it's saying there's more. You don't just have, it's not just peace with God. We actually have current access, present access into this grace in which we stand, in which our identity is rooted. And so, why does Paul uh, mention this? Well, partly because it would seem 
in our own experience, we are, we are sometimes tempted by Satan. We're condemned. He tries to condemn us. He is the accuser. He says, look at all this sin in your heart. How could you possibly be, claim to be God's child? And how can we, apart from saying, by looking to Christ and saying, only because of him, Jesus said that my payment is sufficient, and so we believe by faith, and we, we, shut, we shut up the accuser with the claim of Christ. We look to him, we point to him. And so Paul mentions this to show that your gra- this, this grace in which you stand, uh, that, is, that has produced this justification and opened the door to right relationship with God, it is secure. It's a present access with God. It's through Jesus. There's no other way to access into this grace in which we stand. There's no other way to salvation. It's through Jesus. And it is by faith. Even in our daily experience, we must take these promises of God by faith that when he said, we have peace with God, we take it by faith. We say, I believe God. I believe what you've declared to be true in Scripture. And so we stand in this grace in fact, we stand in that, in that which we have been justified by, as we see in Romans 3.24, as we read a few minutes ago. It is as Dr. Manfred Kober, a, a former professor at Faith, and he's a member at the church I attend back, at, back in Iowa, he defines grace as the unmerited, meaning you did not earn it, the unmeritable, meaning you cannot earn it, Ill-merited, meaning you've earned just the opposite favor of God. This is that grace in which we stand right now because of Christ. So how do these two present realities, your peace with God and your access into this grace that you stand in, how does it shape the way that you view each day? How does it shape your view of yourself when Satan accuses you? What truth can you cling to? You've been covered in, in the righteousness of Christ, declared righteous by God. You've been redeemed. And so anchor yourself in the promises of God, in, in, what, in who he has declared you to be in Christ. And in doing so, we're going to live hopefully. We will not always be fighting in, our, in this body of flesh, what Paul calls this body of death. How long do we have to bear with this wrestling of, our, of fighting against our sinful flesh? It's not an eternal battle. Christ is coming again. He's going to perfect us. He'll we'll be glorified, and we will be with him forever. We have hope to look forward to, and that hope can shape how, because of our righteousness through Christ, we can approach each day with the knowledge that I am a son of God. I am I'm a child of God by grace alone. And And we can be thankful to God for that. Christ, who is your righteousness, is coming again. And your hope in him is a sure hope. Now, in verse uh, verse 1 and the the first part of verse 2, we've seen that there are two truths to recognize, two present realities, that you you have peace with God and you have access into this grace in which you stand right now. But we're also going to see in verses 2 through 5 that we have two sources to rejoice in that are even tied to the righteousness that we have in Christ Jesus. That first cause for rejoicing, 
or even the situation in which we rejoice is in hope of God's glory. Verse 2, we'll read again. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. What is this hope of the glory of God that this verse is, that we're supposed to rejoice in, that we're called to rejoice in? Well, Titus, I'm gonna, I have a bunch of verses that I want to briefly look at. Um, Titus 2.13 says, Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Our blessed hope is, is the appearing of the glory of Jesus when he comes again, and he is coming again. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Ephesians 1, 18 through the beginning of verse 19. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the, of the saint, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. Or even Colossians 1, 3 through 5. We always thank God, Paul writes, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. And so we see there the hope we have laid up in heaven. Two more verses to look at. Colossians 1.23, the first part of the verse, If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you have heard. And so we have an expectant, future-looking hope in the gospel. And finally, Colossians 1.27, in the, in the broader context of verses 24 through 29, is, gonna, is going to tell us that, we, that Christ in you is the hope of glory and the mystery revealed whose glories, riches are great. And so this is not a fingers-crossed hope that we just throw up, a, we, that it's a 50-50 chance. It's not. This is a sure, expectant hope based on the promises of God. And this hope is forward-looking. Um, even in the word hope, that, that we hope is something that we don't yet have the fullness of. We look forward to the expectation that we will receive in the future. We will share in the glory of God, even as indicated by the term we use, that when we are fully, finally perfected, conformed to the image of God's Son, as we read in Romans 8, 29 through 30, we see the word glorified. That we'll partake in the, in the glory of God. We'll, be, we'll share in it. And so we see that there is <clears throat> that our hope has many different facets. It's hope of heaven, hope of being with the Lord, hope of being forever with him, and hope of resurrection, that when we are buried, we're not going to remain in the grave forever. Our body, we will have a body that is raised to, to life, even as our soul at, at death will be immediately with the Lord. Even think of Jesus on, on the cross when the thief... To his side, he tells the thief to his side, today you will be with me in paradise. That is our hope. And it's not that our body will even remain in the ground forever. We're going to have our bodies raised. Jesus has praised that in, 
has promised that in, his, in the likeness of his resurrection, so our bodies will be resurrected and we will be glorified. We have hope of God receiving the glory that he is due as perfect and holy creator, redeemer, sovereign, and judge. We have hope of the Savior making all things new with such a weightiness that Paul describes it uh, like this in Romans 8, 18 through 25. Let's flip there really quick. Romans 8, verses 18 through 25. <clears throat> For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. This is a hope that should cause us to rejoice and to cry, Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Not only in this passage does Paul instruct that we should rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, but we can also rejoice in our present sufferings, the the suffering that we are stewarded by God. And this is shocking. It's a shocking revelation that we can actually take what seems, what appears to be evil and purposeless, and to see how God is actually using it. So let's read verses 3 through 5 of Romans 5. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. So we as believers know the ultimate purpose and even the result of suffering, which we all experience at various times in our lives in various ways. It leads us to hope and it strengthens us in hope that is sealed by God, as we see in verse 5, and will be fully realized. Are you suffering today? Has God brought circumstances in your life that seem unbearable or purposeless or even hopeless at times? It might not be a huge thing. It might be a small thing. Consider that because of your having been justified by faith, that you've been covered in Christ's righteousness, you know that you have peace with God and access to the grace in which you stand. You know that you can rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Are all of these things true, but only until suffering encounters us and it touches our life? We're called to rejoice in the Lord always, as we see in Philippians 4.4. So how can we rejoice in suffering? Why would God have us endure suffering? Why would he have you walk through a time of suffering? I had a friend who I met on a missions trip um, that would have been... 
five or six years ago now, uh, a missionary, an MK, when my youth group went to Canada to go serve in their church. Uh, this kid's name was Corey. He was, I suppose he would have been four years younger than me, I think. But we connected over the trip. It was a week-long trip, and we both played guitar, and they were gen- the missionary kids up there in that area of Canada were just lonely, generally. So we had a really good time connecting. Last year, um, I think it was a day after my birthday, I learned that this young man had died on his birthday, which was the same as my birthday, at 18 years old, his 18th birthday. And this is, a, this, is a, this is a child of a family that is up in Canada serving God um, with First Nations people and, and striving to be faithful to God. And it is tempting to look at a situation like that and go, how is God just in allowing this to happen? And though our heart may question God, we can actually root ourselves in the truths of Scripture and that is exactly what his family did. It was a tremendous testimony to the faithfulness of God and to their faith in God's promises when this family wrestling with the, the reality that a son, their youngest son, 18 years old on his birthday, had died in a car accident along with his girlfriend who was driving with him. And they were able to say, we don't understand, we hurt extremely and occasionally I'll still see posts on Facebook of just the lament, the pain that it just is to lose a child. And yet they've said, but we trust the Lord. We, we rejoice in him because we know his plan is perfect. We know that Corey is with the Lord. And we trust that we will see him again in the hope of resurrection. And so that is how they walked through suffering to the glory of God. And I'm sure it's a daily battle, even today. And so, as a believer, because of Christ's righteousness imputed to you and the hope that you have for the future, you are equipped to walk through the same type of suffering with hope. And it is difficult to bear. But we know that suffering produces endurance. This endurance must be rooted in your standing in Christ. If it is not, you may be tempted to think that God is condemning you. Maybe God has had enough of me, you might be tempted to think, and he's punishing me for all the ways in which I've failed him. But you, you, you forget in that moment, Romans 8 and 1, there is, no, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And you must remember Hebrews 13, 5, which says, which is the promise that God will never leave you nor forsake you. Not only does endurance, uh, suffering produce endurance, it leads further, Paul's going to explain. We know that endurance produces character. We learn very intimately in suffering and in the endurance to rely on God day by day and even hour by hour, minute by minute at times. And, and so we learn to be, tr- to be patient, trusting, and to continue walking by faith when we can't see clearly, when so we trust the Lord. And we know uh, the, third, the third step in the suffering process, Paul's list, listing here, that character produces hope. You, Christian, are equipped to walk 
through suffering with unique hope. That is a massive testimony to a watching world. Just like, just like the family of my friend Corey. And as you walk by faith in the promises of God amid suffering, you learn to place your hope where God has intended it to be, in Him and in His promises. And you learn to depend on Him to, and to walk in fellowship with Him in the way that He actually designed you to, that sin has broken. And you patiently set your hope on what is eternal. And, and we know the next part of verse 4, oh, verse 5, excuse me, that hope does not disappoint. We've had experiences as human beings living in a fallen world of hope disappointing. It could have been a prospective relationship you wanted to have. It could have been a car that you hoped was going to work and then ended up being a junker. It could have been a vacation, a dream vacation that you had spent years planning and it just fell flat in some area, just didn't satisfy. What makes this hope, cultivated in suffering, the hardest of circumstances, different? It is because that this hope does not put us to shame, as we see in verse 5, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. It is God's love for us that we have in our hearts through the indwelling Holy Spirit who lives in you, who is our seal, that we can, that we know that we are recipients of God's love and that even when he brings suffering, we can trust him. In light of this believer, that the fact that you have God's love poured into your heart through the Holy Spirit who lives in you and that you know that the patient endurance of suffering produces hope that will not disappoint, we rejoice in suffering. You can rejoice in suffering. We know what the result of it is. We know what the purpose is. And so we can trust the Lord. We can take him at his word when he says, this is why I'm bringing suffering into you. This is why I'm allowing suffering to enter your life. So, in light of these truths, how does your righteousness in Christ lead you today to hopeful living Believer, recognize that you have present peace with God and you have present access into God's grace. Even, even to the extent that you can come to God and pray through Christ your mediator and bring your request to an infinitely holy and powerful God who listens, who, who draws near to you as you draw near to him. Rejoice today in hope of the glory of God and in the, suffering, in the sufferings that you've been stewarded. Do these truths shape how you view other Christians? Should it affect how you view, how you view yourself, as we talked about? Place your confidence in who God has declared you to be, not in who you try to make yourself out to be. Walk joyfully by faith today in God for all that you have through Jesus. And rejoice today in the promises of God. Whether you are happy or swamped with grief, healthy or plagued by physical pain, whatever your situation is, rejoice. We have, mass, we have great cause to rejoice. So trust the Lord today and give thanks. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for the truth that our righteousness in Christ, that we've been justified by faith, has bearing on how we go, on how we even leave
the services this morning and how we interact with believers, with how we interact with unbelievers, God, would you implant on our hearts the remembrance that we are, that we have peace with God, that we have present access into the grace in which we stand. And Lord, would you help us to rejoice because we have a great future hope. And Lord, we also have hope even in suffering because we know what it produces and we know that we know the love that you have poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. I pray that you would equip us as we go to rejoice today, Father. Thank you for your word. Lord, would you use it in the hearts of your people? In Jesus' name, amen. doing in the church, and I mean the church universal, uh, these young people are being trained so very well to go out and uh, serve the Lord in various ways in our country and possibly beyond. Um, that training costs money, and the team uh, came up here from, what is it, probably about a seven-hour drive <clears throat> from north of Des Moines there, uh, and then stayed in the Holiday Inn uh, last night. So we would like to take a love offering. This will go not to the students directly, but to the college just to offset their expenses. And then if there's money left over to uh, just help with the bottom line of the school. So the men are going to come forward now. Um, and then the team's going to sing for us. Would you, uh, if you're able, uh, put some money in the offering plate? This will all go directly uh, to the college. All right, men.
are dismissed.